So today's ad slot isn't sponsored. Instead, I want to tell you about a charity I work with who could really do with some extra help right now. I'd like you to contemplate for a moment about how you feel when you're really hungry, or if you have a child, how they behave when they're hungry. Terrible, right? Hunger affects everything. Behavior, mood, concentration, ability to learn. A hungry person, and especially a hungry child, isn't anywhere near their best self. Magic Breakfast provides free, nutritious breakfasts to over 1,000 primary, secondary, and ASL special educational needs schools across the UK. Every school day, they offer breakfasts to up to 200,000 children. But it's also not just about the food. I visited their schools and their clubs also serve as a place for children to come together, get support from teachers, catch up on homework, relax with friends, even get their hair braided. How needed is this charity? Sadly, very, and more so than ever. According to government statistics before COVID, around 1.7 million children in the UK were living with food insecurity, meaning that they're at risk of hunger in the morning. That number is now looking closer to 4 million. And of course, with the cost of living crisis, it's just rising. I volunteer with Magic Breakfast. I'm on their development board and I know the money goes where it's needed to supporting children as well as lobbying for policy change to encourage the government to step in. Magic Breakfast actually always say that their ultimate aim is to make themselves obsolete, to end child hunger for good. If you have the ability to support a hungry child, please do check them out. It's magicbreakfast.com. Thank you. This weird other world experience or like a computer game where it's not actually real and then you know, he's in intensive care and the first, you know, you wake up that that first morning and there's all the babies crying around you behind the curtains because you're on a ward with everybody who is next to their babies. And it's just, it's tormenting, you know, and then like horror where you haven't even, you haven't even, I haven't even held him. I didn't even know, like I hadn't even connected. So your body's in such shock. And I think that, nothing really quickly then you realize actually nothing else matters like nothing else matters like what on earth is going on here like what's happening with our baby and are we at like is he actually going to survive this and I think everything from that from that moment changed for me welcome to priorities the podcast about the things in life that really matter I'm your host, journalist and coach Lily Silverton, and each week, along with a roster of incredible guests, I'll be exploring how priorities inform and transform our lives, sharing mindset tips, strategies, tools, and inspiration to help you prioritise your own life. We'll be covering what we think is important and unimportant, what we'd like to work on a little more, and the moments that changed our priorities and lives forever. I hope you enjoy. My guest today is stylist, consultant, and creative director, Kim Howells. From humble beginnings in Wales, Kim has created a lane all of her own in fashion, working with some of the world's most iconic magazines, brands, and music artists. Some recognisable names include Dior, Chanel, Prada, Dazed and Confused, Vogue, Sandra Rhodes, a past guest on this podcast, Rita Ora, Grimes, and Jessie J. Her work has also been in the V&A Museum in London, and for the past decade, Kim has worked as a stylist and creative director for one of my favourite bands, Skunk and Annecy. But there's more. Following the birth of her son in 2020, Kim's life was turned upside down when he needed emergency life support for the first few weeks of his life. Following that experience, Kim founded Tits Up, a platform dedicated to empowering and supporting new mothers with a holistic focus on the specific challenges facing motherhood. Welcome, Kim. Hello, welcome. So I always kick off with the question, do you have a bit of a morning routine? Oh, get out of bed, I think is the first one. (laughs) Um, I mean, I guess my morning routine is usually like cuddles with my little indigo, cuddles with my beautiful man, and then we'd come downstairs, have breakfast, we always get the music on. Like we all kind of, we all love a dance, doesn't matter when. So usually the music goes on, breakfast, start the day right, good mood, 
and then kind of like get ourselves set up. I like to kind of like make plans the night before in my head of what the day looks like. So I'm not like scrambling in the morning. Um, and then you can kind of like just have a calm morning. I always think like a calm morning to like eat breakfast properly and just kind of like start your day right is important. What music do you listen to first thing? What's like, what gets you going? Well, it depends who's in charge of the playlist that morning. Um, I think definitely a bit of George Michael, favourite. A bit of Mariah, a bit of Cher, a bit of old, old Madonna. Is this all if you're in charge? Well, I was going to say, you can tell <laughs> that that's when I'm when I hitting play. <laughs> when, when my partner's hitting play, it's the reggae which is also equally as made to dance to in the morning. So I'm good with either. Hmm. All right, Kimmy, I am going to kick off with a question for you, which is, have your priorities ever shifted in an instant? Well, yes, definitely. They have shifted in an instant. And not so long ago, I think... When I when I had my son, they've shifted in an instant, and not in a kind of like obvious way where people have kids and everyone everyone's priorities change. I can imagine that that happens, but and, and it does happen. Um, and for us, we had like an amazing pregnancy. I was like living my best life, absolutely loving it. You know, because you were there, and I was all geared up, and I kind of done everything for this kind of well I suppose the best birth I imagined I could I could do you know I don't think you you never know what's you never know what's going to happen but I feel like I trained myself if you like to to give myself the best chance and then obviously we're in first lockdown and the world's just starting to go crazy and my birth just went absolutely crazy and it went from like amazing moments to horror story and I think it's absolutely fair to say that in those moments, everything changed. You know, you go from cooking, cooking this beautiful little soul in your body for like nearly 10 months. And then you get cut open and none of your kind of requests get honored. Like, you know, a bit of skin to skin or anything like that. You just, you know, got put on me with a cloth and I'm like, I want skin to skin. And they're like, COVID. I was like, he just came out of my body. Just put him on me for a minute. And they were like, no, but then he did, you know, he had complications and um, it's a, the whole podcast could be about this. So I'll keep it short. <laughs> but basically he, we had like, uh, he started getting stressed in my womb is the short story. He uh, had a bowel movement and they had to get him out quickly um, but it did poison him really severely. So he went straight into intensive care and, you know, you're just not prepared for that. I didn't know anybody that's baby has been in intensive care. I didn't know anybody that's been through anything like that to even have some kind of compass on what that might feel like or what to do. And I had COVID on top. You feel like you're in this, like, this weird other world experience or like a computer game where it's not actually real. And then, you know, he's in intensive care and the first, you know, you wake up that that first morning and there's all the babies crying around you behind the curtains because you're on a ward with everybody who is next to their babies. And it's just, it's tormenting, you know. And then they come and they're like, oh, you know, Indigo's lung collapsed in the night. This has happened, this has happened. And you're like, oh my God, this is going from bad to worse. And then, getting transferred to Great Ormond Street to save his life and is he going to make the transfer and you know you're really faced with this like horror where you haven't even you haven't even I haven't even held him I didn't even know like I hadn't even connected so your body's in such shock and I think that nothing really quickly then you realize actually nothing else matters like nothing else matters like what on earth is going on here like what's happening with our baby and are we at, like, is he actually going to survive this? And I think everything from that, from that moment changed for me. 
as I know, Indy got better and Great Ormond Street did an incredible job and he's absolutely, you know, thriving now. He's a big success story. But do you feel like that experience changed you? Yeah, it definitely changed me because I feel like I'm quite strong. I feel like I'm a strong person. I've been like, you know, I haven't had a, uh, I haven't had a, a simple childhood. Do you know what I mean? I've like, I've, I've felt like I've gone through trauma as a kid. Like I've got, I've had experiences that were rough as a kid. Like I've, I've had to deal and maneuver around loads of situations. So I'm, I'm equipped with some, some levels of trauma and like survival, but even those experiences did not prepare me for this. And I think the weirdest thing is it's not like, like it's the weirdest thing because this human, this, your soul, this soul that you've just created has been inside you. So you, you don't have like an understanding of what they look like on the outside. So then all of a sudden, all this is going on and you still don't really have an understanding of what they're like on the outside because they're in an incubator and they're covered up and you only get to touch their leg through a little hole and you can't see them. And it's like the whole thing is so weird and you're dragging yourself around the hospital with a cesarean and your partner's not allowed in because it's COVID and all the nurses are panicking because it's COVID and you're helping other women off their beds because they can't get up and it was like survival it was just the strangest thing where it's like no filters you you know it's it's really made me um I didn't have many filters before but I have absolutely zero filters now like I have absolutely like there's nothing that can shock me anymore there's nothing that will rock me there's nothing that like I, I would worry about because after you've been through things like that, you're just like, okay, what on earth, what on earth just happened? And then I think, you know, the miracle happens and Great Ormond Street saved his life and it's amazing. And then they say, you can go and meet your son. And you're like, wow. And then I don't even think I've ever told this story. Uh, me and my partner, we walk in the hospital. We're like, wow, okay, we, we're, you know, we can go and meet Indigo. We don't know what he looks like. Because we've never seen him. So we walk in like to, like blind leading the blind around the ward and we're like, hey. And then and then my partner walks over and he's like, looks at this little baby, like beautiful baby lying on on the on the bed, and then looks at me and is like, Is is this indigo? I'm his mum, I don't know. I'm like I'm like, oh babe, I don't know. <laughs> And I'm like, oh my god, he's so cute. I don't know. And then I'm just asking this, and I'm like, is this indigo? They're like, and she looks at me, gone off. She's because obviously she's like, what are you on about? This is your child. Of course, it's your child. But I've never seen him with with much skin out. You know, he's been covered in like his head was all wrapped up in God knows what, and um, you know, there he is lying on this amazing little bed at Great Ormond Street with a huge head of dark hair, which, by the way, Great Ormond Street had washed, right, because he still had all of, all his, like, horribleness all in his hair, which is awful. So Great Ormond Street washed his hair and then gave him some kind of out-of-control side part in slip style, which is kind of amazing. <laughs> he, looked, he looked like this little gangster, but, and, but he's so cute. And I was like, wow, is that what you look like, you know? And then you kind of you're like, okay, I can connect, like, I can connect with you more because I can see you. I understand, like, I can touch you now. Like, I can hold your hand. I can, you know. So, and then he started picking up and getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And as they're doing that, they're like, Kim, we need more milk from you. And I'm like, okay, milk in mission. And you're trying to milk as quickly as you can. And he's guzzling it because he's getting stronger. And then you kind of, again, you're in survival mode because you're like, you've got a job to do. So I don't, I don't think you process any of that information while it's happening. And I, sometimes I wonder if I still, uh, still have processed that because 
when do you actually sit still and go, whoa? Like, I feel like when we got out of the hospital, you know, and he came home, we, um, we then were like, right, this is unbelievable. Like he survived. This is amazing. Now I got to keep him alive on my boobs. Like, great. Totally fine. Like breastfeeding. Can't wait. And then it's like, well, nope, that's not going very well because he's like losing loads of weight. So that's really stressful. And suddenly you're like, okay, now there's another, there's another stress and another panic. So that kind of, that, fear and that kind of like high anxiety like stress mode just lasted like a really long time until we got like milk donor um from hearts milk bank which was incredible didn't even know that was a thing and i'm literally scrambling around i think i phoned you didn't i lily <laughs> so true i was like are you still breastfeeding can i bring him to go over with you please breastfeed my son because <laughs> i was like i've not making enough milk and that's really traumatic. And then the whole thing is just traumatic. And then I think it's ages until you go, whoa, okay, great. Got the donor milk, like some absolute angel turns up at the door with like a big delivery bag of frozen milk. Obviously not allowed to hug him because it's COVID. Really wanted to. And then you're like, okay, it's only then when you start getting your systems up and running that and start breathing again that you realize what just happened. So I think the whole thing, the whole thing changed both of us like hugely. Um, and makes the way we see everything differently because it could have been so different. It could have been so different. And unfortunately it is different for so many people mm. and it makes you really, really treasure every moment and you know, everything that we do together, you think it could have, this could have not happened. Like my life, like this, we might not have, we wouldn't be doing this. We wouldn't be doing that. So it kind of, you feel like you're born. You, I feel like we all got born again. Hmm. And you, we, we got to, we, we won, you know what I mean? You feel like you won. We all got born again and we got chance at life again. You know, we got, we got given like another ticket. That feels amazing. Mm. And you still feel that now? I do. Sometimes, I mean, you go through moments when you're in the thick of motherhood, absolutely, you can lose that. But then I have moments when recently I went to Great Ormond Street, to support Great Ormond Street um, at the marathon in Brighton. And we went down there. It's magic because I always try and support Great Ormond Street at the marathons by just cheering on and volunteering and just helping them. And I usually go by myself because it goes so small. But this year I was like, no, you know what? He's bigger. So I got his Great Ormond Street t-shirt on and he came with me. And it was so incredible to see him standing at the gates, bless him, with his bells cheering and shouting, come on, you can do it. Keep going. And it was just such a little, such a little amazing moment where I just thought, wow, it kind of reminded me of everything I've just said and reminded me of like, we won, like all these people, everyone in marathons, they run for something. They're all running for something. And the Great Ormond Street, they're all running for Great Ormond Street. And we know how amazing that place is and what wonderful work it does. And cheering for them with my son that survived was just so incredible. And I kind of walked away from that day, like, wow, we did it. And I felt that all over again. And then sometimes, you know, motherhood, absolutely, you feel overwhelmed, absolutely knackered. Like all these, all these kind of roller coaster of emotions. And sometimes I do need to take a breath and be like, remind myself of that. Mm very natural to feel i mean parenthood is very very hard a lot of the it's time really can't keep that sort of immense sense of awe and gratitude going the entire time no i don't skip around my life like that all yeah. the time but i have to that's kind of like my grounding point when i feel like you know 
my Welsh head is going to spin off, <laughs> then, then I have to remind myself that like we did it. But I still, I still feel like I grieve that process. Like I still feel like, you know, or I'll see something like I saw Great Ormond Street post yesterday about this beautiful little baby, six months old, who I think four days in got diagnosed with leukemia. And, you know, you hear these stories and it just absolutely, you know, you just break down really just because you break down for that family and what they're going through. And, you know, the beautiful thing is that that little baby, bless it, spent most of his six months in Great Ormond Street and now it's just come out mm. and it's clear and it's been cleared and it's, ama- you know, amazing. But, yeah, you think about all these things, whereas I, ne- I never thought about those things before. Mm. I was just wrapped up in my own stuff. Like, I didn't have to think about it. Too. I was just doing me. And it's like, I had such a kind of like, I was able to live such a selfish life, really. I was just enjoying myself, doing whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. Had you know, with my work and do this, do that, blah blah blah. Like th- these things were not on my radar, and now they've absolutely on my radar, and they become huge parts of my life and things that I really, really care about, and things that have taken priority over other, over other things. Like I, you know, I'm much more interested in, like, I feel like women are incredible. Like women, mothers, like anyone that's a mum, I look at them now and I'm like, wow, I totally get it. The way I look at my own mum now, mm. having three of us and, you know, what she went through to bring us up. Um, I just, I look at everything so differently. I'd love to look, I'd love to ask you how you look at your work differently as well. So we'll, we'll talk later about the platform that you actually set up as a result of this experience. Mm. Going to your styling and consulting work, how has it affected the way you, you view, you know, a very visual aesthetic based work and experience and world? I mean, I think that, um, I think that my time at Hunger was great because I really love Rankin and I think he's very thought provoking. He, you know, he's a visionary and he's always kind of always talks about what's the point? Like, what's the point in making that image? Like, what's the point? Like, is it any, are you doing anything different? Do you know? And that's, I think that's, you know, it was really, really great, great energy to be around at that magazine for such a long time because it does always, he, he always made you wonder what, what am I doing this for? What am I trying to say? What is the point? I don't just, you know, images, 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 there's loads of images. So how, how's my image going to make a difference? And I think that lines up really well with what I like to do because I don't want to just make image for image sake. So I think that's been ingrained in me before motherhood. And I think that since motherhood, it's maybe gone up an extra volume because I think it's got to really, really be important or I don't want to bother doing it. Like it's got to be for a really big reason or it's got to be something I'm going to really enjoy or it's got to be something that I really want to be a part of or I'd rather hang out with Indigo. (laughs) And it's kind of that. So I think my my, my kind of consciousness of it has changed. Um, in terms of what I'm attracted to as a stylist and a creative director and a consultant, I don't think that's changed. Like I love what I love. And I don't think um I don't think my styling in terms of the way I style or the way I creatively direct projects or that type of thing, I don't think that's changed. But I think my choices have changed. You know, or I think maybe my conversations might change slightly because of my experiences and what we've all been through in the last few years as a whole and you know I think people you know we we're very we're in a really amazing position to create content create images like tell stories visually like that's that's amazing so I think we've got to we've got to enjoy what we do at all times or there's no point doing it Mm -hmm. so I think for me yeah, I feel like I 
you know, I think if I looked at some of my images now and I looked at images before, I don't think I'd see a difference visually. Um, I think the way I create mood boards would be the same. The way I would, the conversations I would have would be the same. But I think it's more about what's behind the image. Mm-hmm. What's behind the image and what's the conversation and what's the meaning and why do I want to be a part of it? Mm. It's subtle. Subtlety. Yeah. Mm. I mean, as subtle as I get. <laughs> <laughs> Your style isn't exactly subtle. <laughs> no, and I'm not subtle as a person. <laughs> So what are some of your priorities, Kim? Well, um, it's really good getting asked that, Lily, because you don't really, it it does help you really focus if you ask yourself that question. And I would say my priorities now are so, so different to what they used to be. Definitely family. Like family is absolutely up there. you You know, my family is my priority. Health gets triggered by what we went through. It makes you realize the importance of, of our health and, you know, looking after ourselves and being here and being present and being able and being able to live this life in the best physical shape and mental shape that we can. Um, and friends. Like I'm such a sociable person and I found like, I found lockdown hard. I found not being around people hard, you know, and it's really made me so much more appreciative of my great friendship groups now. And I love hanging out with my friends again and having like much more quality time, you know, not rushing. Like I feel like in the past, with my lifestyle being so hectic and working all over the place and blah, 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 you'd kind of grab quick moments with friends and it'd be like, oh, oh, I'm central. Oh, I'm central. Great. Let's grab a coffee. And it'd be like an hour coffee where you'd skim over like basically nothing looking back at it. And then you'd be like, love you. See you soon. Like I look back, I'm like, well, I didn't really know what was going on in that person's life. Whereas now, when I meet friends, it's like we'll have an afternoon. Do you know what I mean? We'll have an afternoon. Let's have a walk. Let's have a hangout. Stay the night. I'll come to yours. We'll do this. What you know? And you invest more time, and you really, really have much better. You build better memories. Like it's just so much nicer, and I'm way more about prioritizing those moments. Because I enjoy that. I enjoy hanging out with my friends. Like, I've got such wonderful friends, you being one of them, Lily. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and so definitely friendship. Do you feel like some of your friendships changed after you, after your life changed, after everything happened with Indigo? So not only did you become a mother, but you also set up this new platform and took a different direction. Do you feel like some of the other friendships that maybe you didn't see people so much or weren't as quote-unquote deep um fell fell away Mm, good question do you know what i don't know my my instinct to that question is no i don't feel like it's changed i feel like i had solid mates before i got solid mates now i feel like even my mates that aren't parents or aren't even interested in being parents still have as much time for me as they did before like you know when you become a mum and you've got mates that are mums there is something automatically clicks with those relationships like it's like this unsaid click where you kind of like you just get each other more like you get each other more like if one person can't reply in this like whatever they got stuff going on like there's much more understanding um, but I got to say that even my mates that don't have children, don't want children, aren't interested in children, they're still really interested in me, my family, Indigo, getting to know Indigo, hanging out, 
I don't feel like anything's been lost there. And I feel like also a lot of my friends of all, they also feel like they want to prioritize more quality time. Obviously, being a mum, you're not as available. A quick drink here and a quick drink there doesn't work anymore. Especially like evening stuff, you know, like I'm really hands on with Indigo. So if it's like, you know, and I can't just drop a hat if someone's like, oh, you're around in an hour. Shall I, do you want to come and grab a cocktail? Like in the past, I'd be like, absolutely see you there. But I can't do those things now. Um, so maybe a few of those friends have dropped off. But overall, I feel like it's stayed quite solid. It's a testament to your friendships, clearly. Yeah, it is actually. And I'm just thinking now, I've never even thought of that question before. And I've never even thought of, I haven't felt a loss of friends or anything like that. So I guess I'm very fortunate like that. What about you? I think my friendships changed after I left magazines. And I left mm-hmm. that, to be honest, um, because I just wasn't sort of going to the same events or having the same experience as maybe some of the people that I was friendly with then. And then, to be totally honest, I became less important to some people because if I wasn't a magazine editor, I didn't necessarily have the things to give. Um, but then I'm very happy to have not have those friendships anymore, or for now. <laughs> so, you but know. then, do you see so the see? Because I completely under, I completely agree with that, and I can see that for sure. I feel the same. But would you say they were friendships? Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. that's what I feel like. Friendships are like me and you. Like, I love you to bits. You were absolutely on the front line when Indigo went down. Like, you couldn't have done enough for me. Like, that's friendship. You ran to my house and literally picked me off the ground with with a breast pump in one hand and food in the other hand. Like, you were unbelievable. That's friendship. Like, I work co- like work colleagues, you build great relationships with people, but... I would, I wasn't hanging out with them heavy before to hang out with them now. Mm. And I've got like, I've got, sorry, I've got like fond memories of them and I enjoy those relationships and absolutely I'd speak to those people now, but it's more on a work level than it would Mm. be anything else. Mm. I like that. Um, I can't remember who said it, but it's the friendships, friends can be there for a, season a reason or a lifetime oh and i quite like that you know those friendships that kind of run their course where you're with someone at a certain time and have similarities and or someone can can come into your life for a reason and there can be a lesson there for you or them or there are the lifetime friendships i like that i think people don't talk about friendship enough and how important it is or how much it can change and shift Again, like I think friendship, good friendships is one of the um, biggest indicators for life expectancy. Like having. Wow. Um, But we can take them for granted or, and you know, I've 100% done that with some of my friends. Sorry if any of you are listening before. (laughs) (laughs) Or treated people, you know, not well as well as we all have. Um, We were all guilty of that. Yeah. It's just being alive. Yeah. I mean, I do think that being a mum, you've got to juggle so much stuff that your availability, I think that's probably the hardest thing. I mean, I think that would be a really good question to ask my mates. Mm. Is do they? How do they feel our friendships change from their perspective? Because for, you know, certain friends of mine I could name now that, you know, they're not parents yet. They've got the same frequency as they did before like their frequency hasn't changed do they feel like I've dropped off the radar more because I'm less available because I am less available it's a fact Mm. like I'm a mum I am less available or if you text me I might not text you straight back or if you call me I'll call you back if I'm in the middle of something like that like my frequency has changed but I feel like the solid ones it doesn't really matter you know when you can see a mate and you haven't seen him for six months and then you hang out for a day and it's literally like, you're like, I feel like I don't even have anything to catch up with you because I feel like you just know it all because we're such good mates. Mm. Like they're your solid ones, aren't they? Mm. Absolutely. Another one of your priorities, health. What does that look like to you? What does that mean? 
Hey, if you're enjoying the themes in this podcast and want to delve a bit deeper into prioritizing your own life, come on over to my Substack prioritize this where I release weekly essays, voice memos, and coaching questions on priorities, habits, values, and generally the stuff that makes for a better life. Search prioritize this on the Substack website or app. For me, health, well, you know, the obvious of being healthy physically, Mm. um, being, you know, I want to be an active mum. I don't want to, you know, Obviously, I entered motherhood quite late on. You know, I'm not in my, I wasn't a teenager. I wasn't in my 20s. I was in late 30s. Um, and I don't want to feel any older than I was when I'm 20. So, you know, I want to be physically active. I want to run around in the park of Indigo. We want to be playing football. I want to climb. I want to be like, I want him to see me doing those things. I don't want to be like, oh, no, your mum. Oh no, your mum's not going to climb up there. She's got a bad hip or anything. Do you know what I mean? I want to be able to be like as physically able as I can. And that is definitely something I need to work more on because before, um, before I got pregnant, I got into CrossFit heavy boy and I was so fit. I was the fittest I've been in my life and, um, super toned, super healthy. Like up early, training at 6 a.m., like on set, and I'd had a shower and I was ready for my day. And I loved that feeling. I loved feeling that fit. And definitely, um, I need to, I need to bring that back as a priority in my life now. I feel like, um, there's been, I mean, there's just, so, there's been so much going on and I feel like that's taken a bit of a back burner and I, I like being fit. Like I like being, I like exercise. Like once I've broken through the wall and I've, you know, gone through the pain barrier, I love that feeling. Um, and I definitely want to get more into yoga. I want to get more into like meditation work. I definitely want to get more back into hit kind of fitness and, I think that now he's a bit older and he's going to be going to nursery and that type of thing. But I, I do feel like that's been a struggle because I feel like physical exercise for me is the physical side is important, but also the mental side is so important for me. Mm-hmm. And having always exercised and now since he's born, not really exercised, you're just trying to keep yourself fit by walking a lot or like, you know, with a pram, walking, walking, walking. But I don't, it's not really like, uh, it's hard with a toddler. It's not like you can be, oh, I'll just put this video on and I'm going to get a solid half an hour workout plan. Like that's not going to happen. Or I have to think about, okay, if he's got a nap for an hour or two, an hour, if I'm lucky, two hours, that's an amazing afternoon nap. What am I going to do with it? Am I going to spend half an hour training or am I going to get through all these emails and do all these jobs on my list? And then fortunately, it's like the jobs on my list do kind of take priority because they're urgent. And then, but my health is also urgent and me being healthy. And that's definitely something that I need work on. And I'd love, I need to find that balance because I feel like I always, as a mum, put myself last, you know, and I think that's very common for lots of mums. It's kind of like you make, you know, you make breakfast and then you're running out of time. So you'll just go without or you just have a cup of tea or whatever. Or, you know, you'll make a smoothie. And I'm just like, well, I should have just made one for myself as well. But I'll always make sure Indigo's cool. And then I'll be like, I'll be all right. And it's like, no, actually, you know, so I, I need to find more of a balance like that. Mm. So I'm, I'm awful. I'm always the one that makes myself a smoothie. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, the kids need one too. I, should... <laughs> oh, like, I need to come to your... <laughs> I feed my kids. Um, okay. You have said quite a lot there. So I just uh, maybe let's unpack it for a second. So you're saying that you'd like to prioritize more balance in your life, but you definitely you say that you, so that you've got that time the things that feel important to you but maybe not urgent is that am I hearing you correctly yeah that's exactly right so you've listed quite a few things in one go more yoga hit uh crossfit I think you said meditation I think you said you said like quite a lot in one go 
if you could pick one thing from that that you could start integrating more into your life which one would it be what do you think would have the biggest impact on your yoga yoga interesting yeah that's yeah i'm just another thing that's happened since i've become a mum which is amazing is my instinct has got way sharper so i just listened to that so when you asked that question i was like i don't know but my body said yoga so i'll I'll go with that yoga yeah so what how do you think you could build that habit into your life well, this is the thing, and you'll probably be able to tell me, I've been saying when Indigo goes off to nursery, I can t- drop into nursery and then I can go and do a class. But obviously it takes a while to get them into to, to university, no. <laughs> uh, it takes a while to get them into nursery and get all of that set up. So here we are today, still not done it. Whereas, so I, I guess I'm waiting for that moment but waiting for that moment is doesn't mean it's happening now Mm. and I don't know how to make that happen now like I don't know whether like you know we co-sleep so it's not like like a friend of mine I was chatting to recently she's like oh I I get up an hour before her little one and she does an, uh, an hour yoga before they get up and I was like oh that's amazing and then I was like oh, I can't do that because we co-sleep. So the minute I get up, he gets up. Mm. And that's definitely something I want to get out of because, you know, he's got his amazing, he's got his amazing bed and he's got his own setup and everything. So he can be in there now. And there are things like the thought, because he loves to sleep. And I generally now start getting up at like, I wake up at seven before him and he wakes up about eight. So if I could get out of bed before him and get something done, like for myself to start the day, that would be a beautiful thing. Mm. Otherwise, I don't really know how I integrate it into my day. You're the expert. I don't know how. You're the expert, Kim. You're the expert in your own life. A hundred percent. I'm not. Well, clearly not. I'm like, what do I do, Lily? (laughs) What you said before about the you know, he's not in um, in nursery yet, waiting for that to happen. I think anyone, no matter what's going on in their life, will be able to relate to that sense of, oh, I'll start this once the conditions are so and so, you know, once things are warmer, I'll do this. Or once I've got a bit more time in the afternoon, I'll do this. But it just doesn't happen. Um, I mean, obviously, going to nursery probably will happen. But it's that sort of putting it off until the conditions are perfect feeling. And so obviously like the standard advice is just start, you know, just start small. Cause often as well, that idea of finding an hour, an hour's, you know, who can find an hour in their day? Not many people, you know, Mm. and most people that, you know, they've got a lot on in their life. Um, and the demands are high and the obligations are high and the various emails, as you say, that need doing are always building up. So it's what's the, the, I think the best advice that I've heard on habits is how can we build something really small to begin with. So even if it's five minutes a day, if you can actually do those five minutes, that's more impactful than trying to make an hour at lunchtime during his nap before you manage to co-sleep or planning to start doing an hour a day once you drop him at nursery, which again, you might find some days you've got a job on, so you don't do it. And yeah, then you exactly. do that hour and then you're like, oh, I didn't do it yesterday. I don't really have time today because we'll catch up on stuff. So I'll do two hours at the weekend and then it just happens that we don't do it anymore. So it's like yeah. that really starting small. Um, and well, see, you know what? is it possible with his nap that you, that you do 10 minutes at the beginning of his nap? So you put him down and the first thing you do is 10 minutes of stretching or whatever it is. Well, do you know what? It's interesting actually because one of my guests, um, she her platform that she's just started. So she's a PT and a mother of three. And what she noticed was with mothers that they were always like, it's kind of exactly what I'm saying. And that's exactly why she came on as my guest uh, on my platform was because I was like, get like, teach us how to do this. Because what she's done is she started just a 10 minute method. Mm. And it's, it's exactly that it's 10 minutes just take your 10 minutes and do, and she'll implement it into what you're doing, but it's just starting the ball rolling again so that you kind of start getting fit. You start, because once you start, then you'll find another 10 minutes. Yeah. And then you'll find another 10 minutes, but she's, it's, you know, she's, I was like the classic, 
uh, client that's kind of going, oh, I don't have an hour or I've got loads of emails or I've got to make some phone calls. And, you know, I feel like being a mum is is quite like being a producer. <laughs> I feel like in so many ways of our, my, my job, there was so much production and there is so much production in fashion and in our jobs. That's what mothering's like because it's like, right, I'm getting up, I'm doing this at this time. We're going here, we're going there. You need your lunch at this time. Your nap's going to be this time. I, I've made four phone calls. I've scheduled four phone calls during your nap and then you wake up again and then we're going to do X, Y, and Z. Do you know what I mean? It's like that. But I think her 10-minute methods, um, and that's her Instagram 10-minute method, I think that's um i think that's definitely a way to start because i know i know that will work really well for me especially also i want to start cold swimming ah uh, i do i love it yeah you, know yeah, you do okay. do that morning. love it so and what's that done for you then like how does that make you feel you know i i mean i've always really liked cold water so i've always been the kind of person that will get in the cold body of water i started doing it regularly in january i think this year again i used to do it actually because i won the guest on the podcast um that was jim down who came on and spoke about doing it and then a friend of mine um selena asked me to go and i think it really helps clear my head because i can't think of anything except how cold i am <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> and yeah it's definitely it's definitely the mental stuff for me um, I think it's a good thing to be in extremes. Like we're very comfortable these days. We have comfortable houses that are warmed to or, or cool, depending on where you live in the world. And you know, we we spend a lot of time inside in these comfortable surroundings in our cars or our houses. And that discomfort is quite good for humans. And so part of it's that for me. It's like a mental thing of I don't want to put my head in this freezing cold water. I really don't want to do this. And then you do it and then you're like, oh, I've done that. Well done me. I did something yeah. I didn't want to do, but it felt good. And I'm proud of myself. So I like, think I might win. I did um, a project with Wim Hof last year. Mm. And that's what got me hooked on it. Because I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm really, and basically like I'm into everything he says. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I want to do that. Still haven't done it. But yeah. <laughs> And you live by the sea. I know. I think it's also, I mean, I've spoken about this probably before on this podcast. I've definitely written about it in the newsletter. But, you know, this idea of balance can often be something that we really stress ourselves out with because, mm. I mean, what the hell is balance anyway? I mean, who has perfect balance? Who wakes up at exactly the time they want, has their cup of hot water and lemon or whatever it does, does, it, does their perfect morning routine, has a great day at work, easily spends time with their kids, you know, like, life is complicated and messy and sometimes we're going to be able to parent loads and be there sometimes we're not sometimes we're going to have really big jobs on and that's where our energy is going to go sometimes we're going to maybe focus a little bit more on our you know fitness and maybe not have so much time for our kids in the morning you know so it's all it's all relative and it's all a bit shifting and changing i don't think there's any such thing as an idea of day-to-day -day balance no, I think it's about kind of learning tools that you can help yourself on your days to get a little bit of this and a little bit of that, you know, like meditation. It, meditation works really, really well for me. And it's something that I should just do more because now that I feel like, I feel like I used to not struggle with it, but it used to take me ages Whereas now I'm quite good. I think through being pregnant, I, used to, I did a lot of meditation when I was pregnant, a lot of visualization, a lot of yoga when I was pregnant. And I felt everything was very connected mm. and, and quite clean. And um, I definitely would like to do more of that. I think, again, it's, it is those learning tools to be like, right, being able to make sure that you're looking after yourself and you're looking after your family and your, because we have to spin so many plates of women. Like it's incredible. Like, I think it's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm, I'm in such awe. Like, yeah, I just think that women, women, women are incredible and mothers are incredible when you think about 
when you produce a child, like when you you make a child, like you create this amazing child or one child, three childs, four childs, whatever, and you still do your life mm. with such a big change. You know, like I'm like indigo comes most places with me if people are cool with it, especially because I was always breastfeeding. Like I had him in June. All that madness happened. I said to myself, I'll give myself six months off. Obviously, COVID was happening. So I was like, well, that might turn into a bit longer. But then I got my first job in the August, but it was quite a big creative direction job. And I was like, right, well, we're all going to, we're all off, like pack the car, pack the bags. We're going to shoot this, uh, this, this film in, um, the Star Wars location. I can't even remember where that was. Maybe up north. And off we go. So he's only a few months and he's just on set with me. And my partner, obviously, because he's a total legend. And he was just there holding Indigo in between. But then when Indigo needed a feed, Indigo just straight straight on have have his have his feed while I was at the monitor looking at the shots. And that's just kind of like, we just have to do it that way. Mm. And it worked. So he's always just come with me, really. One question, you're just talking about your work. We'd love for you to describe, like, why, I formulate this, why fashion and beauty should be a priority? In my work or personal? For everyone. Maybe personally for you then. Like, what it does. Why should fashion and beauty be a priority? Mm. Well, should it? I think is a question. I think I think we have to be very careful. I watched this Dove commercial earlier. Have you seen it? Mm-mm. With a little girl. Oh, man, it's good. It's like um, it follows this beautiful little girl, blonde girl, who... Her parents must have like submitted all the footage and everything. You know, it's like here is a small child growing up, fourth birthday, fifth birthday, candles, she's eight, you know, full of life, like dressed up with all her mates, dancing, performing, just being like a brilliant little kid. On her 12th birthday, getting a phone. And then the video clips show her kind of obviously getting more and more obsessed with her phone, right? And then keeping diaries and becoming very obsessed with her image until she developed a really bad eating disorder and got taken into hospital. And it's it's just so raw and obviously it's real footage. And then at the end, it's showing all these other wonderful women that are recovering from some of them eating disorders, some of them self-harming, you know, lots of different mental conditions. And it's really, really powerful. And it's, you know, it's three in five was the stats of um, kind of harmful social media influence. Mm. And that's a huge stat. And, you know, what is beautiful, what is beautiful, what is beautiful. I think we've got to be really careful comparing you know I see my eight-year-old niece now and she's got she's got the moves on her and she's got you know the strut on her and she takes a picture and she sees the she knows her angles and stuff and it's like I really hope that we can show fashion and beauty in a way that allows everyone to just be themselves Mm. and be confident with themselves and not feel this pressure to fit into certain boxes of this makes you beautiful and this makes you not beautiful and you should do things this way and because and I I feel like we are in many ways because there's so many incredible people out there that are really championing you know being being this way and being that way and being outspoken about it and everything else but three and five isn't that's not good that's not good at all and it's you know image is so at the forefront and I kind of feel like the work I do fashion beauty I hope that I'll always celebrate 
being who you are and enjoying who you are and really finding your own voice and creating images that a lot of my fashion images are more fantasy or you know you can they're more abstract and yeah more abstract and I hope people can connect with that in more of a like an artistic way rather than a feeling any pressure whatsoever because like my work's all about being inclusive and celebratory and positive and talking about stuff you know and being open and growing together and learning from each other and like I'm still learning so much from so many people and we never stop learning and I think images can do that that's what's so beautiful about my job and our jobs is is creating a language and sparking conversations and you know we are seeing it more and more now you know I think Edward's recent Vogue covers fantastic absolutely brilliant like celebrating disabilities absolutely you know these things are so important um, and I think we need more of that so people feel like because as teenagers I didn't have a phone like I didn't have a phone as a teenager I don't know what it's like to be a teenager with a phone I can't imagine like I was you know I didn't start my period till I was like nearly 16 my younger sister started before me like I didn't really grow boobs I was like climbing up trees and out with my dogs all day like I was a real country kid that didn't really get influenced I wasn't really getting influenced by anything other than what was around me and it was just nature and my mates and I was like the only girl in my year at school so sports day was like him what do you want to do do you want to run with the boys or do you want to join a different year group where there's other girls and I was like well I'll run with the boys like I just I don't know I think I can't imagine what these teenagers and not even teenagers it's starting as you know my niece is eight she's got a phone it's, it's it's young and there must be so much pressure and I don't know what that feels like and I think it's really important that we understand and listen and learn what that feels like so that we can make really we can make a difference and make a more informed choice of how we how we operate and what impact we create has on these vulnerable people mm. i think that's super important mm. thank you that's a good answer was it it's a long answer a long answer is good my last question for you is what is not a priority to you kim mm. time wasters time wasters <laughs> yeah i can't i can't be bothered uh, i think What's not a priority is like pointless conversations. If like I like I'm a Leo, so and I am a classic Leo. I like to get shit done, so I like to talk about things and then do it. So I think what's not a priority for me is if something isn't solid. If something's not solid, then I'd like to reconnect with it when it is solid. You know, and I don't like. I don't think we've got, you know, energy is like our energy is such a valuable thing these days that the way we use it is so important and I don't like wasting it. Mm. So does that answer your question? I feel like that would be not a priority yeah. for me. It's a good one. Just, I think yeah, just to all do with a reminder to conserve our energy. Yeah, just good vibes only. Mm. Good vibes only. All right, Kim, uh, before we end, give a little plug to Tits Up, to the platform that you founded after Indigo's birth. Oh, thank you. Well, yeah, so after Indigo's birth, when um, we really did hit a wall and scream, I think I was in my living room and I just screamed to my partner, everything's gone tits up. Um, and he was like, that's amazing, you should use that. And I was like, yeah, that is kind of amazing, actually. Um, so I started a platform called Tits Up, which basically supports the well-being of mothers on their on their parenting journey, and whether it be through breastfeeding or pre-birth, post-birth, or just it's just a group of like-minded, amazing women that get together 
discuss things, support each other, because actually we're all going through something and being alone and not talking about it makes things so much worse. And when you start talking about what you're feeling, other people open up and they start sharing. It's so powerful. It's amazing. And the things that I learn through these groups is mind blowing. And the women's strength is incredible that they're so, they're so okay to share such vulnerable stories about themselves with such, with such beauty. I just think it's amazing. So yeah, uh, check out our Instagram. It's at tits underscore up underscore. Um, and you can join our, join our community anytime. We do loads of talks. We do brunches. We do podcasts. We do loads of activities and, uh, and yeah, and come and join our tribe. Amazing. Thank you. I'm already a part of it. So, and then I strongly recommend it. Kimmy, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. You're so welcome. Thank you, Lily, for inviting me. Take care. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode of Priorities, I'd really appreciate it if you could make it your priority today to hit subscribe and also rate and review as this helps other people find it. Thank you so much for listening. Take care.